0: Hello everyone and welcome to the cocky top podcast, a sports podcast from an unlikely pair of fans where we give you the team breakdowns from our individual fandoms perspective, as well as our thoughts on teams across college football. So to all you volunteers and gamecocks and everyone in between, let's kick off. All right, all you cock and balls and welcome back to another episode of the cocky top podcast as always since it wasn't a stink fest this last week i guess i can't say always but i am the gamey of still game mr brian Lowe. and joined by me is all ball tyler mcdaniel tyler, what's going on buddy
1: oh not not a lot man uh, a good weekend for both teams um no upsets uh well i mean there might the... be
0: some little bit of upset in the fact that you wound up getting a little sick I did potentially from yes. someone at the game this past Saturday.
1: But potentially it's always it. something that you you know is a possibility each year you're in, you're out. You know that if you're a, a season ticket holder, you're going to be in this place of, you know, when it maxes out, one Oh one nine five, something like that. And it's like, there's always a chance, especially with when football season takes place that you can get sick so it's just it's just uh, it's it's what you go into it knowing it's the chance we all take as as football it's a
0: calculated risk yeah definitely a calculated risk well going ahead and getting diving headfirst straight into it uh let's go ahead and look at the the outcome of the the volunteers weekend this weekend Mm. Uh, definitely being able to dispatch a university of texas san antonio where's that you're welcome Come on,
1: let me hear it. You're welcome, San Antonio, for being a stake. <laughs> a fun fact that I learned about the Roadrunners: uh, we were their 150th game. They've only been a oh, pro wow. like 15 years.
0: Wait, so if they do, they play a 12 game schedule.
1: I'm pretty sure.
0: Right, if they're playing a 12 game schedule,
1: and, and 12 is 144.
0: And so 12 they're their
1: second SEC opponent they've ever played.
0: Wow. Okay. So trying to potentially take the step up into getting into the Division One ranks.
1: Yeah. And I got to well, tell you, but, man, you know, there's, there's all those jokes about, like, oh, UTSA. But they, they've got a, a pretty nice-looking group. I mean, yeah, we shut them down in a lot of aspects, but they have a running back, man, that – he's got it he's got everything that he needs to be well i mean just looking at some back. of
0: the stats i mean because i
1: yeah i
0: watched a little bit of the game and just looking at some of the stats uh kavorian barnes 13 yeah. carries for 40 yards long a 10 robert henry nine carries for 39 yards along a 14 uh rocco griffin six carries for 14 yards along a four um I mean, yeah, it seemed like there was a little bit of a running game there for the Roadrunners. <laughs> no, no pun intended or joke intended. Uh, Eighty-eight yards on the day. Definitely had better passing yards overall, and uh, uh, the Roadrunners did wind up using uh, two QBs throughout. Uh, Owen McGowan, of course, got the start. Went eighteen to twenty for one hundred and seventy yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. But if I am not mistaken, he left a hurt, didn't
1: he? Yeah, yeah, he did. He left hurt.
0: Yeah. To where Eddie Lee Marberger uh, came in, went 12 of 21 for 61 yards and and had one pick overall for the day. Between the two, 30 of 41 for 231 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. However, on the other side of the ball, Tennessee, uh, Joe Milton III coming out there, 18 of 31, 209 yards for two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. a few incompletions, uh, still working on yeah. that short and intermediate routes. It looks like not overthrowing those receivers. Uh, but I did see a lot of long passes, uh, that definitely connected. As a matter of fact, uh, Ramel Keaton, his only catch, and I think he got hurt after this or got hurt on this catch. Uh, one catch for 48 yards and got the tutty on it, got the touchdown on it. Uh, but it was like I said, that 48 yard catch. Uh, Brew McCoy, three catches for 30 yards, uh, long of 13. Uh, Squirrel White, four catches on the day for 29 yards, long of 11. A couple other receivers with a couple of catches on the day. Uh, But, of course, the main story for Tennessee, of course, for this last weekend has got to be the ground and pound. MIA Dylan Sampson comes back after not being anywhere for three weeks after the season opener and just come out. Gobsmacks, yeah, uh, on basically two runs, yeah, uh, UTSA, uh, and scores two touchdowns as a result of it. But uh, final on the day, eleven carries, one hundred thirty-nine yards, two touchdowns, and a long of forty-four. But the the big story would have been that first touchdown with Milton's wheels,
1: seconds the game, the
0: for eighty-nine uh, or eighty-one yards and a touchdown. On that play, it, it was insane. I mean, just watching him streak down the sideline on TV, I could only imagine what it was like in person. Oh, uh, it uh, was crazy.
1: Like, like, we had just sat down and like the game started, and like, are like, oh, oh, who's that? Oh, There's Joe. us oh, Joe. Oh, there he goes. He's he's gone. It's like it's it's been like twenty seconds of the game. Good God.
0: Right, you could you could have at least let everybody get into the stadium and got set out. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Some people didn't get to see it because they were uh still in line somewhere.
0: And and oddly enough, uh, Jalen Wright, mm. who had been featured for the last few weeks in the running game, only has four carries for sixteen yards for a long of four. Uh, and Jabari Small, who was the featured running back last year for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. Comes in with nine carries, 61 yards, uh, with a long of 40 on that one. So, a majority of his yardage, uh, same thing for Milton, of course, coming off of the singular runs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, like I said, Samson just breaking back out onto yeah. the scene after after seemingly having gone missing for a couple of
1: weeks. Oh, yeah. and uh, Samson's name was, was a breath of fresh air. Uh, you know, when it comes to the running backs, like I, I like all three of our starters, I like, I like Wright, I like Small, I like Samson. But having those three, you know, as a you never the only problem I have with the three of them is not all three of them are consistent in one game. If right. You, then you, you have to have,
0: figure out who's got the hot hand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If all three Get of them right, consistent in weird. one game, it'd be, it'd be bad. For the opposing team. it
0: would be bad. It would be bad for the SEC in general if that were the case. Um, Giddy over onto the defensive side of things uh, to an extent. Um, UTSA uh, had one fumble. Owen McCown fumbled and lost that one. Uh, Tennessee did uh, pick that one back up. And then uh, Kalechi Nawachuku? Yeah, Nawachuku, yes. Um, was actually on the receiving end of a Tennessee turnover. Uh, of course, Cameron Seldon. Um, rookie mistake, on, man. That as was, well as uh, Milton Fumbling. On that was a rookie
1: mistake on Cameron's part. Yeah. Just thinking that, like, oh, I'll just quickly jump on a ball that was already yours after the kick anyways. Like, Like, it was just a rookie mistake. Like right, and the those things the ball to us. All we had to do was wave it and like our guys just like, no, jump on it. And his his rookie mistake, you know, cost us a turnover. And granted they didn't capitalize on it, but still
0: Right. It had it been someone else. Yeah. I mean had it been another SEC team. I mean yeah. the the at that point it, it could have turned into points for the other team Yeah, for sure. It
1: absolutely could have.
0: Uh, Tennessee's offensive line holding up fairly well. Uh, Just offense in general holding up well. Uh, No double-digit tacklers um, for uh, UTSA. As a matter of fact, uh, 61 tackles on the day in general, uh, 33 of those being solo tackles. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did have two sacks on the day uh, and did have five tackles for loss on that Tennessee uh, offensive front. On the other side – Tennessee's defensive front uh, against UTA's offense. Um, Aaron Beasley, leading tackler, uh, nine total tackles, two solos, uh, had half of a tackle for loss. So getting back there in the backfield helping out with that. Uh, Elijah Herring, uh, eight total tackles, three solo tackles. Uh, also had one tackle for loss. Um, Tamarian McDonald, uh, seven total tackles, five solo. Did manage to get in and drop. UTSA mm-hmm. quarterback once, and of course, uh, one of those counting for a tackle for loss, but also had another one. Uh, overall, on the day for Tennessee, total of 83 tackles, 37 solo tackles, four sacks on the day, and seven tackles for loss. Uh, interceptions continuing on the defensive side, uh, both Warren Burrell and Tamarian McDonald coming up with interceptions. Uh, Tamarian McDonald, uh, that one didn't go anywhere. Uh, but Burrell was able to get a 13-yard return out of the one that he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, D. Williams uh, on special teams for the day, two returns, 34 yards along of 19 uh, on kick returns, punt returns. Uh, Williams had one punt return for four yards. And then uh, Cameron Selden, as you were mentioning, talking about the, the rookie miscue, uh, mm-hmm. did have minus three yards on that one for him. Uh, as far as the kicking game, uh, on those. Uh, Charles Campbell did hit one for 29 yards, uh, but did have one missed, uh, but did go six or six on the PATs. Mm -hmm. And then Jackson Ross uh, with six total punts for 266 yards, one of those being a touchback, and three of those falling inside the 20-yard line for a long of 50.
1: Have you watched Jackson Ross punt?
0: I have not. Is he a? He's an Australian.
1: A, a, he's an Aussie. Who? Okay, so he rolls out.
0: He rolls, he rolls out, out and out does this rugby.
1: hunt. It's it's the weirdest thing. We call him all uh, all wrong legger. <laughs> wrong legger. Yeah, kicking with the wrong hunting again. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. It's interesting to see the different dynamic because you know we're used to he's American. Just the straight punists. walk up. Yeah, so walk up and boot, and he's just rolling out both sides, kicking with both feet, depending on which side he rolls out. And I'm just like, good Lord, that it's stressful, is what it is. Cause I'm like, I you don't know what it it's can be. be. Like, well, he, and especially easily mess up
0: so easily. Well, I was going to say, especially coming up on teams that have mm-hmm. more of a special teams presence and what, what can potentially happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, Don't want to get too far into it because, of course, that is our main preview game for this week, uh, being the fact that my Gamecocks are going to be traveling up here to Knoxville to Needleton Stadium to take on the volunteers for this week. Uh, Real quick, going ahead and swapping over to the uh, South Carolina-Mississippi State game. Oh, final score, Tennessee 45 UTSA 14, we both had Tennessee picked on this game and had them picked to cover the points uh, with no problem for this one. Um, Just to go back real quick, uh, reviewing what the actual line on that game was. Excuse me. Uh, I believe Tennessee was favored by 21 points in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, Let's see if I can pull this up here real quick. 24. I think. I think it's at the bottom of the box score. It was 24. Yes, you're right. Uh, 24 points was the line on it, with the over/under being 59. Uh, that was the only one that actually hit right on mm-hmm. on the points. <laughs> like no one, if anyone would have bet the over or the under, they would have lost on this one because it wound up coming up exactly on what the over/under was. Uh, and it did show that uh, Tennessee hit capacity for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's showing that they wound up hitting the full hundred percent. Looking at it on TV, I don't think that was the case, but uh, Tennessee definitely gets the cover and uh, uh, went even on the the
1: points for this one. A really cool thing that happened in the game, though, was our halftime show was the music of Elton John, and okay, we cool. Invited. Uh, like a bunch of different high school bands from around the country. One of them being Pigeon Forge was there. Uh Mil- okay. own Morristown East High School was there. Their band was there. Uh, Jeff County High School, Dobbins Bennett, which, of course, if you, if you know anything about band, the Dobbins Bennett School in Tennessee is known for its band. It's always at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's always invited to the Rose Bowl Parade. So they were there in a few other private schools, but yeah, like down from where our seats were. And if you follow us on Instagram at legend studios, I put up a video of where our seats actually are like row 19 and section. O. I saw that. East happened to happen to be like, I could look down and I was like, Oh, there's East high school's band director. Like I know him. I was like, that's, that's cool. awesome. I was like good on them. Good for them. That's really cool. I'm, I'm
0: glad you mentioned them being invited to the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade, because for the first time ever ever, uh, The uh Sound of the Southeast, South Carolina's marching band has been invited to play the Thanksgiving Day Parade this year.
1: That's cool. That's cool. And, and it's really fun. If you, if you get a chance to go season. see the Macy's Parade live, I highly recommend it. We've done it once. Uh,
0: I don't know if I'm ever going to wind up finding myself in New York. <laughs> Not necessarily the just the state in general. I know I'm probably – the chances of me ending up in the city are, are even more slim than me just ending up in the <laughs> states. Uh, even though there is a lot of, of of New York that I would be right at home in, especially upstate New York. Oh, uh, I just, I, I, it just doesn't seem like it's like I had the opportunity to go to Vegas one year, and I'm like, I'm not a Vegas type person. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to do that. But after having spent as much time as I did in the theaters, especially getting into the, the back end of things, there's a there's a possibility that I might go see a Broadway show or two, especially Beetlejuice. Eh, that's about it, maybe. Uh, I'd have to choose one that is a staple uh, of Broadway yeah. to go see. Uh, but other than that, that'd probably be the extent of it. Getting... Back to football uh, and covering what will be the South Carolina-Mississippi State game. Mississippi State does come into Williams-Price Stadium. All sorts of energetic and ready to go, but ultimately falling short to my game, Uh However, it was a very fantastic performance, for the most part, by the Mississippi State offense. Will Rogers himself going 30-48 of 48 for 487 yards. Uh, one touchdown and one interception. Uh, their their receiver, who was uh, Lodatric Griffin, but he goes by the nickname of Lulu. Uh, or t- Sorry, Tulu. Tulu Griffin. Uh, and the Tulu is a short version of Tulu's because he was getting back in behind the South Carolina secondary, it seemed like, with ease. Um, He wound up on the day seven catches, 256 yards for the one receiver. Only managed to score one touchdown, and that includes having a 65-yard long run Mm -hmm. as part of that. Uh, Will Rogers, he, he should be put into Heisman contention the main thing for them this year that they're having to fight with is the fact that Zach Arnett is a defensive minded coach and Mm -hmm. defensive minded coaches want to run the ball more than anything else. Yeah. And Will Rogers is definitely a, he's an air raid quarterback. He needs to be airing the ball out more than anything else. And that unfortunately is, is the, the, the issue and why they couldn't score as many points because they were trying to establish a run game, which Jaquavius Marks, uh, who is their number one leading rusher, uh, had 12 carries for 27 yards and had a touchdown with a long of seven. Um, but that touchdown was was a goal line a goal line run. Uh, and then Mike Wright, who was, a, uh, who was a backup quarterback, came in on a wildcat and was able to sneak in on some really good trickeration. Uh, I'd have to say I was completely fooled by it, too. Uh, camera guy got fooled. Everybody got fooled on that one, and he's able to just skip right in. Uh, other notables uh, on the Mississippi State side in terms of offense, uh, second receiver on the list, uh, Justin Robinson, six catches, 91 yards, uh, with a long of 29. Xavion uh, Thomas, five catches, 56 yards. 21 for the long uh, – they just weren't able to get it into the end zone through the air. Uh, they get down into the red zone, and it either be a turnover or uh, a loss of downs, uh, turnover on downs, whatever the case may be, and and they just could not get it going, which did not upset me, of course, being the Gamecock fan that I am. Uh, getting over to that side of the ball, Spencer Rattler, man, with the exception of the Georgia game, and it was just because he was running for his life the entire second half yeah. of that game because the first half of the game, he was damn near perfect on his uh, passing. He has now missed six, seven, eight, ten. He's missed ten. If you discount the Georgia game completely, he's missed ten passes Yeah. in four games and is at I want to say at this point is at double digits and touchdowns and has two interceptions. Yeah. And now is definitely, definitely in, a
1: Hosman contention.
0: Yeah. Uh, and is now over a thousand yards on the season
1: through game four.
0: Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, uh, FCS or not, sorry, not FCS, but Division Two transfer into D1, Mario Anderson. 26 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown with a long of nine. Uh, we have not been doing all that great in terms of running back so far for this year, uh, but the type of will and determination that Mario Anderson showed has – and he's finally gotten some, some stuff from behind the scenes that people don't see, uh, that only the coaches see during practices and everything else. Because you see a lot of times, like we talked about uh, uh, Dylan Sampson, like where's Sampson been for the last yeah. several weeks? Maybe he had some kind of small uh, uh, injury issue that they didn't want to disclose that he was having to deal with. Or maybe uh, uh, small uh, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright were just showing more in practice for those games depending on, on the, the scheme for that opponent or whatever the case may be. Uh, same type of thing with Mario Anderson. Maybe just a situation where he hasn't really shown everything that they were looking for for him to go ahead and get the nod for the start. Uh, but throughout this week, there was enough shown, and given the opportunity, he wound up for sure uh, taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Out of those 288 yards in the air for Spencer Rattler, uh, 189 of them went to X Man Xavier Leggett, Five catches, 189 yards two touchdowns with a long of 76 yards uh, on the day. Um, He is now the number one receiver in FBS, if I'm not mistaken. I know for sure SEC, but he might be the number one receiver just in in college football period at this moment. And we still have Juice Wells that, as it stands now, uh, probably will not play next week. Against Tennessee, he's listed as doubtful at this point in time. But we'll see how things progress as we move forward. Kind of like Tennessee, uh, second leading rusher was our quarterback with Spencer Rattler. Uh, Eight carries for 43 yards and had a long of 28 on that one. And then to carry on Joyner, uh, originally QB, transferred to wide receiver, then transferred to running back. Uh, 10 carries, 24 yards on the day with a long of seven. Uh, we did have minus 11 yards on a team on three team runs, and that was at the end of the game. Uh, just trying to milk out the clock some more, and uh, a few more lo- yards were lost on that because of it. I uh, almost thought we were going to have a situation like we had out of Florida, Tennessee from the previous week uh, just because of that dancing around and stuff like that, trying yeah. to get some more time off the board. Uh, and the Mississippi State defenders. I mean, they were doing like they were supposed to. Nobody got hurt, uh, but they were, you know, getting a little chippy, a little pushy. Um, the carry-on joiner did lose one, uh, did fumble and lose that ball. Uh, thankfully, I don't think any points came off of it uh, from uh, Mississippi State's end. Uh, similar situation for uh, South Carolina that we didn't have any kind of uh, double-digit tacklers. Um on the Carolina side of the ball. However, uh, Jet Johnson uh, and uh, Nathaniel Watson are touted as being the best linebacker duo in the SEC right now. And they both, of course, playing for Mississippi State. Uh, Jet Johnson, 14 total tackles, seven of which were solo for a sack. Uh, Rattler actually went down four times, and Mississippi State had five tackles for loss. Uh, South Carolina defensively stepping up. They actually have four sacks in this game as well and nine tackles for loss uh, for this one. And one of the probably funniest, I guess you could say, plays uh, throughout this entire game yesterday is the fact that uh, Will Rogers had a fumble that – they didn't blow the whistle on instantly, so as it was happening, they called it a fumble, basically on the the thing on the field. And uh, Judge Collier—that's actually his name, Judge Collier. Uh, it sounds weird because you're saying like Mister Collier, who is a judge, <laughs> but no, his first name is Judge, last name Collier. Uh, reacts and picks up the ball and takes off running. And then Mississippi State's kind of standing around because they think it's like, oh, whatever. And then they finally, the you know, act and react uh, to what's going on. And we got a little bit of a return off of it, had to go into review and everything else, but ultimately decided uh, that it was Carolina's ball. And I believe we did get some points off of that uh, turnover. Uh, final score, 37-30. Uh, South Carolina's offensive line has definitely improved from week one uh, from what we saw against uh, North Carolina. And as it stands right now with the way that North Carolina playing and everything they've been able to accomplish, uh, how close we did keep it is now seem like a feat in and of itself uh, just because of how North Carolina has been playing right now and still currently sits undefeated uh, going into week five. Uh, definitely waiting on, on, uh, some more of uh, South Carolina's youth to come along. Definitely, I, I am definitely okay. Yeah. I guess that's the, the best way to put it. I am okay with how they're performing right now and, and expectations moving forward, just like the teams. I'm taking it one week at a time. I'm not really trying to look ahead. Yeah, we've got some great accolades, some great things have happened in the past. Uh, we're sitting two and two, one and one in conference play right now, two and two overall. But I mean, there's some opportunities. I mean, even going into this next week, there's definitely an opportunity to be able to, to move forward, but there's also a lot of opportunities to get smacked backwards, too. So um, overall score, final score, uh, Gamecocks did get it done in Williams Bryce Stadium 37 to 30 was the final uh, line on that one, Was South Carolina by six. So they did cover. Uh, over-under being 46-and-a-half. So so while Vegas didn't think there was going to be a whole lot of scoring in this game, a bit more than what they thought uh, by uh, uh, 20 points. So definitely some more points scored in this one than what they thought. Uh, Overall, I was definitely impressed with Carolina's uh, play, especially against a conference opponent, which um, we had the opportunity – uh, I mean, of course, everybody always has the opportunity to lose. Um, it just seems like <laughs> that may be more so in favor, uh, considering different circumstances. But Mississippi State had the opportunity multiple times to, to take us out. But the Gamecocks and that tenacity, uh, what they're named after, uh, and, and Sumter and, and how he got his moniker, the Fighting Gamecock, uh Proved to get the best of the the Bulldogs of Mississippi State uh, this past Saturday, and and it looked like for all intents and purposes, uh, uh, Tennessee rebounding after the Florida game, yeah, we are able to 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 right the ship as it were. Uh, I don't want to say against fully subpar uh, a fully subpar opponent, but uh, for the most like I've experienced with a couple of the other ones. I mean, uh, they're they're giving it everything they've got. Yes. Anytime that they come in because it is a lower level school that is coming in and playing a D one or, or an FBS or, or in this case, an sec talent that has a rich history. It is a blue blood of college football. And, and, and these opposing teams are going to give it everything they've got anytime they come up and, and, Sometimes, man, even some of these lower teams can 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 catch a snoozing. Uh, but I don't think that 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 was the case, of course, for Tennessee this last week. I mean, the the score in and of itself is it's fairly obvious that 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 wasn't the case. Past that, I mean, some people will say that the only real test that Tennessee has faced to this point uh, would be Virginia. Uh, so. I don't know how I want to say that this is their first real test as it were, but I mean, it's definitely going to be a bit more stiffer competition than what they've seen.
1: Yes. Yeah. Moving forward, the the, the, the different football that we have to play up to. And I think that's, you know, around the whole sec is now we're like, I mean, what Georgia's finally getting to play an away game this coming Saturday, like, Yes, and they're going to the plains. They're heading to Auburn. Yeah. So they're really getting their first, you know, like, oh, we're not between the hedges. Oh, shucks. We got to have four home games to start the season. season. Please. So, yeah, I think that you'll see all around the SEC, you'll see, even when we talk about, you know, what else went on around the SEC this coming week, you'll see, you'll start to see a lot of these names that you're seeing in the top. Top twenty-five, top fifteen. Now, this is moving forward into the next month is when you'll start seeing a lot of shifts happening. Oh
0: yes, I mean, does we does really going get in, into it, so does heading into October uh, yeah. make it to where there's not a, a not an SEC team in the top five?
1: Yeah, or maybe even the
0: top ten at that point, and then it would be littered with nothing but Pac-12, which is soon to be nothing, and 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 Big Ten Big and ten. Big Twelve teams. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a college football world that, while for a single season might be okay, I definitely do not want to live in. Yeah. Uh, but maybe this is a situation. I mean, the, the conspiracy theory, the conspiracy theorist in me uh, says, why not go ahead and get all kinds of, of chaos and mayhem? The final year of the Pac 12, the final year of divisions in the SEC, the final year of a four team playoff let's just go ahead and make everything as chaotic as possible yeah. so that that way whenever we try to get into the 2024 2025 season we have the 12-man playoff system or fbs becomes fcs yeah for the people who want to argue about fbs fcs uh and, and move to that format well before we run out of time for this first half uh Let's go ahead and run through all of our other games, uh, and we're going to go ahead and actually uh, we both picked Tennessee. Tennessee won. Yep. We both picked Carolina. Carolina wound up winning yep. out on this one. Uh, next up, Georgia UAB, final score, 49-21. The line on this one, let me pull it up here real quick, and if you want to get the one after and Georgia honestly, UAB. Honestly, it was
1: the the best first half Georgia had played all year.
0: It was. <laughs> 100%. The over-under was 40 on this point. Georgia did not cover, and the over-under was 56 on this one, uh, which they did, get, or would have been the over on that one. Yeah. Uh, Georgia showing it a full capacity for this one for that last game against UAB, which is, I, I kind of call a little bit of BS on that one. I don't think that stadium was that full for that one. But we might be able to to get that one taken care of. Uh, past that, it it, it it was expected that Georgia was going to win. Yes, yeah. we both beat Georgia to win this yeah. one, and and that's how it went.
1: Uh, this one uh, was expecting to be a game. I, I thought that Arkansas and LSU. I think a lot of people were probably like, oh, ah, no, Arkansas don't have it, you know, enough to put up against, against LSU, but huh, they proved. Uh, the Arkansas I mean, Minnesota ultimately,
0: I think we both chose LSU for yeah. this one. However, with the way that Arkansas have been playing up to and the amount of, of talent in their opposition up to this point definitely made me feel like they had a very good opportunity to hang with LSU. Huh? And and honestly, I mean, they were they were leading through the half. I mean, it was it was thirteen ten going into the half, uh, and then Arkansas sticking with it for the most part. I mean, in the third, it wound up swinging LSU's way uh, for a little bit, and then Arkansas or, uh, Arkansas come back in the fourth early, uh, wound up taking a little bit of a lead, uh, and they were tied up
1: uh, I mean, for that's a majority the thing of the is course. A lot of people and probably then, didn't expect this to be a three point game.
0: No, no, I mean if you look at what the, the, the line on it, what was the line on that one? Uh
1: I believe if you're in the box score, it'll be all the way down to the bottom. The line on it, the line on it was lsu uh minus 17.5.
0: Yeah, 17 and a half point favorites. LSU going into that game. So Arkansas are definitely
1: is 55. So
0: yeah. Uh, Uh, which the the final score being 65, so they went over on what the final score would be, Uh, but Arkansas, uh, Wu-Pig Sui, the Razorbacks definitely hanging in and making it a a far more interesting game than what uh, Vegas thought it was going to be. Ultimately, like I said, we both did pick LSU uh, to win that game, so we were both right on that one, Uh, but but definitely we had mentioned this as being one of the ones to watch because it it, it could have definitely gone a, a completely different direction for sure. Next up on the list uh, would have been the Ole Miss-Alabama game. This is the one that both of us picked wrong yeah. uh, because we thought how Alabama had been playing, uh, the way they had struggled against the subpar teams and everything else, uh, and the fact that their, their mm-hmm. uh, offense had been – Nowhere to be found for quite some time uh, during these first few weeks. Defense have been playing lights out, but offense has been abysmal. Uh, The over under on that one was Alabama, uh, favored by seven points. They wound up winning by 14, final score being 24 to 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, Over under was 56 on that game. Certainly, Uh, uh, definitely (laughs) well under uh, with a total of 34 points for that bout. Uh, definitely did not go the way that I thought it was going to go. Um, both of us thought that, like I said, with the way the Ole Miss had been playing, uh, versus the way Alabama had been playing, that that was going to be a lopsided victory for the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, but the tide you proof proof is in the pudding, you can never completely count the tide out, I guess you can.
1: And in all honesty, I I wouldn't be shocked if if you could easily give that victory to the twelfth man. Uh, Tuscaloosa is a tough place to play, especially if you've got your rival and Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin coming in. I can oh, I that Tuscaloosa probably had a lot to do with, and I'm uh, sure
0: the same thing
1: could could you
0: know uh, uh, Lane. You know, being used to going into Neyland and stuff like that, or just the the, the hatred that multiple fan bases have for Lane Kiffin, yeah. can, can definitely make it intimidating. Uh, but just a, a quick one: um, the the quarterbacks are on fire uh, for the SEC for the most part this last week. Uh, Jalen uh seventeen and twenty-one, especially at, for two hundred twenty-five yards and a touchdown. Especially after the outings uh, last week, where he really didn't even play and they played Tyler Buckner. And, and uh, I can't even think of their third stringer right now. Well, you uh, know, but I they still to
1: this day will say that if you have three quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. You don't have one.
0: Yeah.
1: So and that's struggling. That's, that holds
0: true for sure. They are definitely riding the struggle bus. Uh, Florida over Charlotte. Uh, yeah, Florida had some time with Charlotte. I mean, the yeah. final score being 22 to 7. Uh, the catch of the the year by far happened during that game. You yes, did not get an opportunity to see it. Uh, one handed snag, uh, by the Florida receiver. Uh, it, it was, it was absolutely an
1: insane. Odell would be catch. proud,
0: Odell would be absolutely proud. Um, uh, over under for this one was 28, uh, with the final score being 29. I don't think the Gators covered at all. The over under huh. was originally set at 48 and a half with this one. Uh, while we did both expect Florida to win, we definitely did not expect it to be that close. So yeah. if you have been keeping track so far, uh, we have hit on every single one of them so far except for one, and that was the Ole Miss Alabama game. Uh, which has this tied one, two, three, four,
1: five,
0: uh, has this tied at five games piece right now.
1: Uh, and I think we got this next one out of wrong.
0: We did get this next one wrong because we yeah. both, and that is going to be the Auburn-Texas A&M, we both thought that Auburn was going to be able to go in and take care of business against A&M. Uh, this is one where we definitely – did not take into consideration the 12th man, as it were, uh, because, you know, Texas A&M boasts about being the home of the 12th man. Uh, They were favored by nine and a half points, and they covered that nine and a half, uh, but they didn't come anywhere near the over-under, which was set at 51 points for that game. Final score, uh, Texas A&M 27 to Auburn's 10. Uh, Auburn unfortunately has uh, the Bulldogs of Georgia coming in this next week. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I actually did see. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier. If I did, that I did see an article to where there is a uh, an outlet, a computer program uh, that has been ran uh, using whatever metrics it is that this one ran that heavily favors Vancouver, uh, uh, Auburn over Georgia this week. Ooh. So we will have to go back and visit that and see what happens with that one. Uh, so we are what would be five and two at five this two point so
1: far. Uh, the yeah, next we one. are would
0: we'll be at five and two at this point with this one uh, going into what would have been Kentucky Vanderbilt.
1: Yeah. Uh, Kentucky split on
0: wearing the chrome helmets uh, into Nashville this go around one of my least favorite helmets for Kentucky. Uh, and I think that they should actually be outlawed, especially yes. for a new game or a three thirty kickoff, because of the fact that the sun shining off of those things can blind anybody. And I think that that is a distinct, unfair advantage. Agreed. Uh, in a sense, but, um, at no point in time did Kentucky really struggle with with Vanderbilt in any capacity. Right. Uh, while Vanderbilt took them a little while to get going, um, ultimately they, of course, did still fall well short. Excuse me of the the Wildcats for that bout. Um, looking at the particulars for it, uh, Kentucky was only favored by thirteen and a half points. They definitely well covered that. Yeah, uh, and the over under was set at fifty for that game, uh, with the final score being uh, 73. Uh, yeah. so I think that, that, that one got blown out of the water as well. Uh, this is the one where we, we picked opposite of each other. You, of course, picking, uh, old blue blue and, and I decided to anchor down and go with Vanderbilt, uh, uh-huh. where this is where we get separated a little bit. Uh, and you taking a, a, a small step ahead of me, um, and me, of course, taking that step back. Uh, wishful thinking that that Vanderbilt can take care of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that definitely wasn't the case. Last game on the SEC slate uh, before we switch gears and hit our bonus game from this last week. And then we will change over and do our previews for this next week's slate of games. But that final game would be the, the cat fight, the Tiger on Tiger, uh, the Tigers of Memphis versus the Tigers of Missouri, uh, actually played in Louisville. Um, and they played, and I found this out because I've watched a little bit of this game, they actually played at the stadium that the St. Louis Rams housed the greatest show on turf game in. Hmm. So, if you go back to whenever the Rams were the St. Louis Rams, and this would have been the uh, – uh, I cannot think of
1: the quarterback's name. Kurt Warner. Anyway. Missouri was only favored six and a half in this game, which, you know, yeah. going in I would have said, wow, if they're only favored six and a half, then Vegas doesn't give them much chance against Memphis. I mean, Memphis isn't terrible. They're going into that game they were three and zero. Oh. So uh, right. I mean, I, I wanted Memphis to beat Missouri. I uh I chose Memphis. I was wrong here. Uh same.
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was a
1: it was a want, uh, it was a wanting of Mizzou to lose more than yeah. anything else. That's really it uh, I mean. <laughs> could have been anybody, and I just wouldn't have wanted Missouri to, to lose.
0: Missouri to a lost in that aspect. <laughs> um so in that one, we both lost. So, uh, you are ahead, uh, by one right now. So we are at, you are at six and two. Yeah. And I'm at five and three currently. I believe if that's the case, uh, the bonus game, however, is where I wound up, uh, getting back even with you. Uh, and that would have been the Oregon Colorado game. Yep. Uh, And the Buffaloes wound up getting, as Dion put it, a good old-fashioned butt-whooping. And that's exactly what happened.
1: Yes. It
0: was a good old-fashioned butt-whooping by the Oregon Ducks against the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, While it didn't make it on air, uh, my choice for that game was the Oregon Ducks. Uh, While I have been enamored with what Coach Prime is doing, Uh, just in general, how he's running the program and everything else and and the sheer showmanship of it has been fantastic. Uh, Whenever it actually comes down to on-field talent, uh, I felt like Oregon was definitely stacked up or had the better opportunity to be able to get the win. And, of course, that was evidenced um, by the the final score, which I believe Oregon was a three-touchdown favorite in in that game. uh, But it wound up being – so much more than that, and and thankfully, it it, it hopefully did bring uh, Shadur Sanders as well as some of the other uh, Colorado Buffalo uh, team members to a
1: bit more realization. Um, yeah, I think
0: yeah, it. I think it, think it, was, it was good, good for them.
1: I think the loss yeah. was good for him. He needed he needed to lose a game, and I, I think it being against the number 10 team is a good thing. Yeah. So I still see only good things for coach prime and his, his Buffalo's moving forward. Uh, I definitely think that uh, people's eyes are still going to be on uh, Colorado. uh, But if you're going to lose a game, that is not a bad one to lose. It's not for sure. For sure. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up. What would be
0: the first part of this week's episode? for the Cocky Top Podcast, and this, this one is going to be airing this coming Friday, what will be September the 29th, uh, just before we have what would be the Week 5 slate of games, which is entirely SEC on SEC action for the entire slate coming up this week, uh, which is going to be Saturday, September the 30th, 2023. Uh, so before we get to that, on behalf of all of all, Tyler McDaniel, I am Brian Lowe, the Game two Game Gamecocks, and we will see you on tomorrow's episode of the Cocky Top Podcast.